أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرين اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد So we, uh, we went through Ma'rifa and we reached Yaqeen Before Ma'rifa what did we have? We had if I remember correctly we had hub, we had shawq, yes, and these and irada. So today we want to speak a little bit about yaqeen. Okay, so it makes sense that yaqeen comes after uh, ma'rifa. Why? Because in the def for the definition of yaqeen, they'll say that yaqeen is the um, highest form of ma'rifa one can have. And what are the conditions for that yaqeen? Yaqeen is a certainty. Now, according to the definition here, there might be different uh, definitions and versions of Yaqeen. But the definition he has here, he says, it's that certainty an individual has that is in accordance with reality. And so I would say he is actually defining it in a very narrow scope. Because sometimes you have Yaqeen, you're sure about something. But... Although you're sure about it, you're wrong. It's not in accordance with reality. It doesn't match the reality of the matter. But his definition here is the yaqeen that is going to be matching what rea the reality is. Okay, so that's his definition of yaqeen. Okay, so this is that next uh, stage of akhlaq according to him. This yaqeen, as you all have probably heard, it has different grades, it has different, it has different levels. Okay? Yaqeen, and the Qur'an has mentioned each of these terms that we're going to talk about. Three types of yaqeen the Qur'an speaks about, or mentions, not really, doesn't really expand on them, but mentions them at least. And then so now, mystics have come and also spoken about these. So the first one is ilmul yaqeen, and I think we might have spoken about this way sometime in the past. Um, but this is the place to actually speak of it. We probably spoke about it in passing before. Ilmul yaqeen, and of course that comes from the famous verses of Surah Al-Takathur. Kalla law ta'lamuna ilmul yaqeen la tarawunna al-jahim. So you have ilmul yaqeen, number one. Then you have, as those verses go on, thumma la tarawunnaha al yaqeen. So that's number two. Ainul Yaqeen. So number one, Ilmul Yaqeen. Number two, Ainul Yaqeen. And what's the third one? Does anyone know? Haqqul Yaqeen. Yeah. So these three, they have not been really explained in the Quran. They've been mentioned in the Quran. And it's not to say that the Quran is using Irfani terminology here. No. But nonetheless, it has been used. And different people have explained this. And there isn't too much of a difference of opinion on them. Little slight differences maybe that we'll get into. So using the uh, example that the Quran gives in Surah Takathur. In Surah Takathur, what does it say? It says, Al-Hakumu Takathur, Hatta zurtumul maqabir, Kalla sawfa ta'lamun, Thumma kalla sawfa ta'lamun. You people who, whatever the story is, that they went to the graveyard and they were, you know, boasting about how many people they have in their clan and so on. Whatever the story is, whatever the sha'an and nuzul of the verses are, the occasion of their revelation is, 
um, this part of the surah talks about as it goes on it says if all of you knew if you had you would have seen the jahim jahim means hellfire if you had so using this example that the Quran is giving here of fire, the hellfire let's talk about this a little bit sometimes you know there's a fire because you just know you figured it out how'd you figure it out? well you see smoke in a distance, okay? And you know that this smoke didn't come out of nowhere, so you deduce through istidlal and argumentation and intellectual endeavor that there is a fire. Did you see the fire? No. Did you touch the fire and sense it and feel it? No. None of that. I didn't. Now, how do you know there's a fire there? Well, I used my intellect. I saw the sign of a fire, so there must be a fire. Okay, so I know there's a fire. And I am 100% sure there's a fire because I'm 100% sure there's smoke. Okay? All right. So I have yaqeen. I have yaqeen that there is fire. This yaqeen that I have, if they want to grade it, they will say this is ilmul yaqeen. That means you have a knowledge that is yaqeeni. Okay? That is, that is 100%. It's certainty. It has certainty in it. Not even 1% do you feel like it's not the case. Unlike dhan and conjecture, okay, and guessing, and 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 wahm as they call it as well, these are under under hundred percent certainty. But when it reaches hundred percent certainty, then it is ilm. This ilm is a yaqini ilm. Okay. Now Ayatullah Jawadi he says that this ilmul yaqin is a bridge to the next one, which is ainul yaqin. He doesn't explain, unfortunately. I think towards the end, I will bring this up again, okay? But he says, it is a bridge. When it says, when the Quran says that you will see the Jahannam if you have ilmul yaqeen, meaning you have arguments for yourself and istidlalat for yourself that there is a Jahannam or there is a fire. That's, that's what the verses say. They say, if you had ilmul yaqeen, then you would see the fire. He says what is meant by this is that through argumentation or through what verses of Quran might tell you and all of that, you have ilm that there is a Jahannam. Not that you're seeing it like the verse says. The verse is saying you would see it, but seeing with the heart, not with the eye. Okay? When I know there's a fire because of the smoke, I haven't seen the fire yet myself. But I'm 110% sure there's a fire because nothing else can cause smoke. What happens is here they will say that um, they will say that you are, it's as if you are seeing the fire, although you haven't, you're just seeing one of the signs of the fire. So you have ilm, you have yaqeen, and it's as if you are seeing it. Alamatawatawi says that's this is the tafsir of these verses. When it says, if you had listened to the Prophet, listened to the Quran, listened to your aqil, you would understand that if there is a God, there is going to be a resurrection. There is going to be a Jahannam and Jannah. You would have known this by Ilmul Yaqeen. And if you had known it by Ilmul Yaqeen, what that would mean is it's as if you're seeing it with my eyes, no, with my heart, with my mind as if I'm seeing it. Okay. All right. So that's that. Ilmul Yaqeen. Ayatullah Jawadi, 
He says, it's true that the verse says, you would have seen Jahim and fight the fire with your heart or whatever it is. But let me tell you that it's more than that, actually. That is just an example that the Quran is using. Or else, he says, there are other examples as well. He says, therefore, if a person has ilm al yaqeen, yes, through istidlal, through argumentation, through Quran and, and Prophet and all of that, then it's not just Jahannam they have yaqeen in, they also will have yaqeen in Jannah. Sirat, Hisab, Mizan. Yes, that land that we're going to be in, the Sahira on Yawmul Qiyamah. Yeah, all of this you can see with your heart, with the help of the mind. So he says, in reality, the meaning of the verse is going to be, Kalla lau ta'lamuna ilm al yaqeen, la tarawunna al jahim wal janna wal sirat wal kawthar wal mizan wa tatoyur al kutub wa intaq al jawarih, the fact that your limbs speaking, or start, they start speaking on the day of judgment. You would see all of this. Why? But not because you've seen it with your eyes of the body, you've seen it with the eyes of the heart. Okay. So that's the first level or stage of. Yaqeen, ilmul yaqeen. In reality, it's just that certain knowledge that we have, that yaqeeni knowledge that we have. <coughs> then it goes on. It says that the verses go on in Surah Takathur. So let's go back just so we have the sequence down. It says, if you had ilmul yaqeen, you used your mind, you listened to the Prophet, you would have ilmul yaqeen of yawmul qiyamah. Okay? Meaning that your heart sees it, not your eyes, your heart. Okay. Then the verse goes on. Not only will you see it with your ilmul yaqeen, which is not a real seeing at the end of the day, as I said. Your heart is seeing it, but a time will come, thumma, then, thumma means then, then a time will come that you will see it not with ilmul yaqeen anymore, a step higher than that, with aynul yaqeen. Aynul yaqeen, they've talked about it, um, means that you see it itself. You don't need the help of anything else to see it. Before that, you were seeing it with the smoke. You weren't seeing the fire, you were seeing the smoke, your aql was seeing the fire, your heart was seeing the fire. That was called ilmul yaqeen. Aynul yaqeen means yaqeen itself, you will be there, you will see it yourself. Now, Allah Tawatawai says this verse now in Surah Takathur is speaking about Yawmul Qiyamah itself. That on Yawmul Qiyamah, everyone is going to actually see with their physical eye, whatever that's going to be, whatever they're using to see things on the Day of Judgment, they will see it with their eyes. This is Aynul Yaqeen. When you see the fire itself, you don't need the help of anything else. You don't need the mediation of, uh, um, of, of a concept in your mind or the smoke in the fire example. No, you will have access, direct access through your senses of that matter that you have Yaqeen of. Now, he says this is Yawmul Qiyamah. Aynul Yaqeen happens in Yawmul Qiyamah. Ayatollah Jawadi, what did he say though? He said, Ilmul Yaqeen is a bridge to Aynul Yaqeen and therefore he says, no, Aynul Yaqeen can happen even in this life. Okay? In this life. He doesn't explain it further. 
and I don't have access to his tafsir of tasneem, which um, it's like 40, 50 volumes so far, but it still hasn't reached Surah Takathur. Surah Takathur is one of the last surahs of the Quran. So he, uh, he has taught it, I think, but it has not come into the books yet that they're printing for him. So anyway, it would be nice for him to explain it further. All he says in this book is that Aynul Yaqeen can happen in this life as well. Once again, we'll talk about it more later. Uh, my guess of what he would say in regards to that. All right, so that's step number two, Aynul Yaqeen. Then step number three, Haqqul Yaqeen. Sometimes you know there's a fire because you're seeing the fire itself, but sometimes you know there's a fire. Why? Because your hand is in the fire. And God forbid you yourself are in the fire. Okay? This is haqqul yaqeen. That it's more than just seeing. It is experience itself. It is feeling it itself. So when I said senses in aynul yaqeen, what I meant was sense by senses was seeing. But haqqul yaqeen means to actually be in it, to be one with it, to feel it, to experience it, and so on. Whatever word you want to use there. All right, so this is yaqeen here. Now, what is it again? Yaqeen is that ma'rifa at its highest level, okay, where you are certain, 100%. Okay, and this certainty can have different causes. One of them is ilm al-yaqeen, ayn al-yaqeen, haqqul yaqeen. All right, now I want to share with you four <coughs> hadiths here in this regard. Regarding yaqeen, its importance, its significance, yeah, and what kind of role it plays. I want to talk about those a little bit. This first hadith, it says that it's a hadith by Rasulullah that Allah Matawatawai also mentions in Al-Mizan and he talks about it. Yes. No, excuse me. This is something else. Allah Matawatawai is somewhere else. I'll talk about that later. The hadith goes like this. Min al-sabr. There are two things that you have the least of, O people. Number one is yaqeen. Number two is that resolve of sabr and patience. Okay. Now yaqeen is something that happens, I would say, has to do with the mind or the soul. Sabr has to do with, you know, it will also have to do with the mind and the soul, but it has also a lot to do with our reaction to things and our actions and so on. Okay. وَمَنْ مِنْهُمَا لَمْ يُبَالِ مَا فَاتَهُ This part's important. Whoever is given a piece of these, okay, if you don't have the all of yaqeen, but even if you have a piece of it, okay, lam yubali ma fatahu, then this person who has some of that will not have to care anymore and worry anymore about what? About that which they miss out on. Of what? Of Salat al Layl, <laughs> of Siyam al Nahar. Fasting. Now we'll have to talk about this, okay? Because it's not a it's not a pass, okay? We'll have to talk about this. People's eyes are lighting up. <laughs> this is per, I would say this is perspective. Either this is perspective, or I hate to say it like this, but it's a forged and and made up hadith, okay? <laughs> because why? Because the Sufis, um, what do they say about the verse that says Wa'bud Rabbaka hatta they say what this verse means, at least some of them, I don't want to misrepresent them, but it's famously said that they, they interpret this verse as such. They say, the verse is saying in the Quran when it says, Worship your Lord until you achieve 
Yaqeen. What, what does that mean? That means once you achieve Yaqeen, you reach Nafs Mutma'inna, whatever it is, after that, you don't need to do any more worship. You're there. Why should you do worship? We don't say that. What, what do we say about this verse? What does Yaqeen mean in this verse? What do we say? If someone comes to you and says, Yaqeen means here, it means that conviction, that 100% Yaqeen that I have. And I have reached that Yaqeen now, so I don't need to pray or fast anymore. What's your answer going to be to them? Does Yaqeen always mean this Yaqeen of certainty? Another verse in the Quran, it says, let me see if I can pull it up actually. It says that when it's talking about the people on the Day of Judgment, the bad ones, they say, we messed up, messed up, messed up, hatta atanal Yaqeen, until Yaqeen came. What does Yaqeen mean there? Huh? Iman? No, no, no. No, they're in trouble. They say, Ruzigar? Ah, almost, almost. Let me see if I can find the verse. Yeah. It says, قَالُوا لَمْ مِنَ الْمُصَلِّينَ We wouldn't pray. وَلَمْ نُطْعِمُ الْمِسْكِينَ We wouldn't uh, help the, the poor one. نَخُوضُ مَعَ الْخَائِدِينَ We would, I think, play around with the ones who are just wasting their time playing around, if I'm not mistaken. وَكُنَّا نُكَذِّبُ بِيَوْمِ الدِّينَ We would deny the Day of Judgment حَتَّى أَتَانَ الْيَقِينَ Until Yaqeen came to us. Here, Yaqeen means death. What happens after death? Yaqeen comes after death. Once they lift the veils, even Fir'aun says, I believe. Yeah? What do you believe? You believe you can fly? You believe in, in, in God. Which one do you believe in? It's too late now for you to believe in God. Because Yaqeen has come to you as if the veils are going aside, now it's too late for you. Anyway, anyway, in other verses, Yaqeen sometimes is used for death. And so the answer is when it says, وَعْبُدْ رَبَّكَ حَتَّى يَأْتِيَكَ الْيَقِينَ Pray and worship to your Lord until Yaqeen comes. What do we say this means? It means worship your Lord until death comes. Till the last day, till the last breath, do ibadah. Anyway, that's something on the side. So some, they say some of the Sufiya, they say this, that this verse is saying, you worship till you attain Yaqeen, meaning conviction. Once that happens, or the special stuff happens. Once that happens, you don't have to pray anymore. We say no. It's not the case. Anyway, I said all of this to say maybe some made this hadith up, okay, just so that they can use it in this way because it says what? It says if you're given a share and a piece of yaqeen, then you don't even have to pray anymore or, or worry about salat al-layl or worry about fasting. So either this is made a made-up hadith or when we put it in the context of the Qur'an and other hadiths that we have in our corpus, in our tradition, what we can understand from this is it's pers giving us perspective that if you have yaqeen, okay, try your best for Salat al-Layl. Try your best for Siyam al-Nahar and fasting. Try that. Do that as much as you can. But it's not like if I missed a day or something, yeah, oh my God, it's the end of the world now. You have yaqeen at least. Feed off of that and continue doing what you're doing. Don't idolize Salat al-Layl. And that is a problem for some. Some, that's how they're tested. That's how shaitan gets the best of them. They idolize their Salat al-Layl. No, 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 no. I do Salat al-Layl because I got to do Salat al-Layl. Allama Qadi, rahmatullah alayh, I read this thing about him once. He said, they asked him, how do you wake up for Salat al-Layl so easily? He says, because I have to. <laughs> All right? I have to. You know what that is? That is the exact same logic of these athletes who wake up 4 a.m. every day. And you ask him why? He says, because I have to. 
and they help me call these motivational videos out of them, you know, because I have to. That's it. When everyone else is sleeping, if I want success, I got to make the sacrifice. I have to. So Allah Maqadi says, I have to. So he understands I have to. But if I miss it for whatever reason, it's not at the end of the world. It's not, especially if you have yaqeen. So anyway, Lam yubali ma fatahu min I have yaqeen, meaning what? I understand Allah is in everything and behind everything. Because I missed Salat al-Layl, that means even if Allah wants me to make it, I still won't make it. You see, that's, your, your Salat al-Layl is getting in the way of your Tawheed. You know what I'm saying? The, your Tawakkul. So no. So that's how I would understand this hadith in my very limited knowledge and my ignorance. If not, and someone wants to say, no, it's saying something more than that, I say, hey, that's bordering on what the Sufis kind of say. So it's kind of, and it's not in our first-hand sources either, but... At the end of the day, I like these kinds of hadiths because they remind us of who's in charge. Salat al-Layl is not in charge. Allah is in charge. Alright, so that's one hadith we have here. Another one, which I really like, because it's cool, is what Allah Matawatawai mentions in Al-Mizan. It's the hadith that says, ذُكِرَ عِنْدَ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَآلِهِ أَنَّ بَعْضَ أَصْحَابِ عِيسَى You've probably heard this, that it was mentioned in the presence of the Holy Prophet ﷺ that Prophet Isa, or excuse me, some of the companions of Prophet Isa, they would walk on water. So you expect the Prophet to say, yeah, wow, isn't that beautiful? They walk on water. What does hawa mean? Do you guys have that in uh, your language? Urdu? Hawa? Air or hair? Air. air, yeah. So that's the Farsi as well. And here in the Arabic as well, that's what it is. What did the Prophet say? You tell me. Meaning what? It was more shadid. It was stronger. If this person that you're telling me was walking on water during Prophet Isa's time. If this person's yaqeen was stronger, what would he be doing? He would have definitely been walking on air. Which one's harder, to walk on uh, on water or to walk on air? I mean, I've seen some of these uh, fast lizards and animals, some of them, they walk fast on water. Have you seen them? They run across the water. Yeah. But you can't walk on air, trust me, right? So yeah, he says if their yaqeen was stronger. So it's revolving around yaqeen here. So what kind of yaqeen are we talking about here? What does Allama say? He says, as you can see, I'm translating as I'm going because it's in Arabic. This hadith, what does it point to? It points to the fact that the matter, all matters, revolve around how much yaqeen you have towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, this doesn't mean that a person is going to go say bismillah and start walking on water or give or test it out. All right? That's not the goal of our creation. Please, let us understand that again. Okay? Because you talk to kids about these things. As a matter of fact, one of these um, uh, kids I was teaching once, their parents actually told me, they're like, tell him or her more about, uh, you know, these interesting stories because they're interested in it. Okay, which is cool, I understand. But if you tell these stories too much, then this becomes the goal for some people. No, the goal is something else. The goal is Allah himself. All right, so anyway, he says that everything revolves around yaqeen. So as I said, don't try this at home. Al-yaqeen billah subhanahu wa imha'il asbab. This is something we want to talk about, inshallah, in part two of Death and Barzakh course one day, inshallah. It revolves around yaqeen to Allah and the 
total obliteration and removal of what? Of al-asbab al-kawniyyah. Those natural causes that we have in the world, cause and effect that we have. There is cause and effect in the dunya, but this cause and effect is not mustaqil, is not independent. It is totally dependent on someone else. But us, in this world that we're in, we see everything as the independent cause of things. When I turn on the lamp or the light, cause flipping the switch effect, light turning on. That's the last link in all of the causes. Let's see what's at the top of the chain of causes. Here he says, Getting rid of this understanding of things being part of the cause. Yes, they're part of the cause, but understand the main cause is something else. And that is the only independent cause. That's Allah. So, depending on the extent that a person will rely on the ultimate and absolute power of Allah is going to determine how much things are subjugated and subservient to that individual. Okay, I know there is differences of opinion on wilaya takwiniya of the imams. I know some there's different discussions. Some will be naqli discussions. They'll say, let's see if we can pull this out from this idea of the imams being able to intervene in the natural world. Okay, um, and there's different grades of that as well. But all in all, there will be discussion. Some will say that we can't understand this from the literature that we have. Some will say, given you cannot understand it from the literature that can be held, that we have. But if we go a step further than that, what we can do, and this is something I'm not going to say I'm for it or against it, but they say something that we can discuss at least is what Allah says here in other places. What is he saying here? He's saying that to the extent a person relies and understands that Allah is everything, okay, to that extent, the natural world will be at their disposal. Will they, do, will they actually use it? No, they don't. They understand that there's a system in place. You're not supposed to mess around with it. But it can be, at, they can intervene according to this. They will be at that person's disposal. Let me read the Arabic for anyone who might be listening in the future. فَإِلَىٰ أَيِّ مَبْلَغٍ بَلَغَ رُكُونُ الْإِنسَانِ to the extent that a person has connected themselves with that divine power of Allah things will be subservient to that individual to that extent so this is another channel through which some have entered to even prove wilaya taqwiniya of the imams it's, a, it's an ongoing discussion of course mainstream Shiism right now believes that that is the case, that they do have this wilaya taqwiniya, although there's different grades of it and different scopes of it. There are differences of opinion there. All right, that's the second one. Let's move on. Our third hadith here. It says here, Amir Mu'nin alayhi salam, he gave the criteria for profit and loss Okay, in the akhirah to us. He gives it to us. What is it? He says, and so he says something clear that we all know. He says, That, yes, that which, okay, yeah, 
that which harms our akhirah is never going to be something small and to be taken lightly. Something that we all know. If anything is going to hurt our akhirah, we're not going to take it lightly. La yasghuru. It's not saghir. It's not small. Okay? La yasghuru ma yanfa'u yawm al-qiyamah. And it is also not small that which will benefit us in Yawm Al-Qiyamah. So everything revolves around what? Yawm Al-Qiyamah. That which is going to harm us or that which is going to benefit us. Both of them are to be taken seriously. Okay. This is the important part which we said. We're going through these hadiths just to understand how important Yaqeen is. فَكُونُوا fima أَخْبَرَكُمُ اللَّهِ كَمَنْ عَايًا So, now that you know through the Qur'an, through the teachings of the Prophet, now that you know all that matters is Akhirah and the benefit and harm that happens in Akhirah, it depends on how much you believe in this. You know it's there. How much Yaqeen do you have in this? Do you have a Yaqeen of Ilmul Yaqeen only? Or are you going to go towards Aynul Yaqeen according to Ayatollah Jawadi's interpretation, which, which meant that in this life you can, it's as if you're seeing it. Okay? He says, Imam Ali here, he says that be like the ones who have actually seen it. That means it's in your, it's in your hands. It's in our hands. It's something that we can achieve, inshallah. That we are like a person who not seen the smoke, but it's as if they've seen it, that fire, uh, directly. And I want to still talk about this more, as I said, towards the end. So this is highlighting the importance of yaqeen, without a doubt. Or this final hadith here. And there's tons more, but yeah, the ones that he's brought or Alama Tawatawai had brought, I wanted to share with you. It says that a group of people, they were they came into the, to the presence of the Holy Prophet and he asked them, so how are you doing? What did they say? They said, we, ha- we are mu'min. We, that's the state we're in. We are believers. So the Prophet asked, he says, okay, well, what's the sign Tell me, explain to me what this uh, this iman that you have is. They said we are people of rida. Rida means submission and satisfaction of what Allah wants from us for us. Tafweed, meaning that we leave everything to Allah, we delegate everything to Allah, and taslim, submission. Okay, so we're happy with Allah, what Allah sends our way. We have delegated things to Allah and we're submitted to what Allah wants for us. What did the Prophet say? Ulama hukama. These are alims and wise sages. Kadu, and of course, the Prophet. The Prophet, uh, when he says this, he knows probably that they're not. They're being truthful in what they're saying. Okay, but look, they've achieved this. They've achieved this. It takes a good level of yaqeen for you to actually delegate things to God. Okay, while you still do it, you're still taking care of what you need to take care of. Okay. That it's that close because of the wisdom that these people have that they are prophets of God. Subhanallah. So what is the essence of prophethood? I guess it's something like this. What prophets have at the highest level is something like this. Is this. Is yaqeen. Nothing changes in the world. All of a sudden though, you have this ma'rifah which has is, is at its highest level that's, that we call yaqeen now, that, is in, that matches the reality of things. He has, we have this yaqeen now. So here, also the Prophet is saying, Because of their wisdom, they're that close to being prophets. 
Alright, so if you are really truthful in what you you mean what you're saying, this has to have a practical implication. This is good for all of us, okay? Especially the last thing that he says. What Ayatullah uh, Jawadi says here is interesting, if I know, if I'm right. Yeah? Yeah. The hadith ends with this. It says, So don't build that which you are not going to occupy and live in. Okay? There are people who have uh, 10 homes, they, they go and buy the 11th home. Don't gather that which you're not going to consume and eat. Sometimes you know you're going to consume it 10 years from now, 5 years from now. That's a different story. You need to save up for things. That's a different story. You need to work hard. That's a different story. No, no. But if there's something that you know you'll never consume, why bother them? You know, what, what the, what's going to eventually happen is that you're going to leave it for those who come after you. That's what it is. So no one's saying don't do that. But also understand that in the grander system of things, for example, my children... They're going to grow up. They can have their own jobs and work. <laughs> Why should I spend extra time? There, Some of it is necessary for sure. And every person knows how to plan for their future, their kid's future. Yeah, I hope we all remember that. And we you know that's not, we're not dismissing that at all. But sometimes you can tell, all right, I'm going a little overboard. I'll give you an example. <laughs> I want to give you an example. Um, one of these big athletes, one of the richest athletes in the world today, he's a boxer. They asked him, is it about the money? What is it all about? That you you know you you're in the you're in the million like hundreds of millions and um, but you're still boxing every now and then when you get a good deal of course and the purse is a fat one you still box is it a, what is it about is it about the money or what is it or the passion of the sport you know what his answer was he said I just want to bring bread to the table like <laughs> what kind of bread do you eat <laughs> you know I want to bring bread to the table well for who for yourself for sure you're taking care of your kids your kids kids your kids 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 like that is a little too much. Why? Because Allah has given them also strength. They, Allah has given them volition. Allah has given them intellect and, the, and certain skills and talents that they have that they can use to make their own living. So like, why am I going to spend the extra time that I should be putting for ibadah and other things to make sure that my, the fifth generation after me can also eat? Allah will take care of them. Okay? They'll relax a little bit instead of trying to play Allah's part. So taslim, qada'illah, and الرضا بقضاء الله and all of that it comes into the picture here. So he says, ولا تجمعوا ما لا تأكلون واتقوا الله الذي إليه ترجعون and have taqwa towards the God that you are going to return to. All right. So what does Ayatullah Jawadi say here as he is wrapping it up? This uh, section of yaqeen. He says exactly what I just said and I got it from him actually. He says, look, uh, you are not the storage or the custodian of the storage for future generations. Allah is the custodian. Okay, understand that. Eat to the amount that you need. Make sure you've taken care of yourself, maybe your kids for the, for, for the longest time, whatever. Even there sometimes, some of these ulama, they wouldn't even go as far as their kids. They're like, their kids, my kids will figure it out on their own, you know. I'll help them out and stuff, but I'm not going to spend the valuable, precious time that I have making sure that they're set. They'll be set. If they do what they need to do, they'll be set. That's part of the test and part of this life for them. Yeah, but I like how Ayatollah Jawadi words it here. Yeah. He says that you are not the custodians of the storage of others. 
Okay. Yes. Why? It says the secret and the reason for why this is bad to for you to think that you have the keys to the storage and you have to take care of what's in the storage. He says the reason for why this is looked down on, this is frowned upon from a Tawhidi perspective is that a person once again is relying on their storage versus Allah's storage. Taking Allah out of the picture. This is like constantly we have to remind ourselves this in everything we do, in the work that we do, in uh, this, the money that we save, the time that we spend on things, all of that, we have to just make sure that we keep in mind, I'm not doing this because if I don't, then Allah's not. I'm doing this because Allah said do this. And inshallah, Allah will take care of everything. I know, I know we've said this again and again and again, but once again, it's coming up. And you'll see, like, once we finish this book, which is, it's almost over, by the way, we, we don't have too many more classes on this book. It's almost over. One theme that what comes out of this whole book is, well, we'll talk about it later. So you think about it. What is the one thing that comes to your mind if someone was to ask you, hey, this whole book that you went through, what was one theme that was always repeated? Something to think about. He says, it's because we have itmi'nan. We have trust in our own storage. We don't trust Allah's storage, so to speak. While Allah has promised that he'll take care of things. Yeah. So this is yaqeen. Now, the last point that I wanted to make regarding yaqeen before we end is that, all right, that's true. All of what was said, all of these different levels of yaqeen and all of that, but we got stuck in one part. And that was where there was a little bit of a difference of opinion between Ayatollah Jawadi and his teacher, Alama Tabatabai. Alama Tabatabai, he said, Aynul Yaqeen, which was the second Yaqeen form of Yaqeen, happens when? Happens in Yawmul Qiyamah when we actually see with our eyes the Jahan Jahannam. He said, that happens in Yawmul Qiyamah. Ayatollah Jawadi said, Ilmul Yaqeen is a bridge to Aynul Yaqeen that can happen in this life. Are these two going against each other? Are they not? Not necessarily. There is a way I would say that you can reconcile these. How? By saying that, yeah, when Alam Tabatabai says that every that the verse says, you will see it definitely. Who's the verse talking to? The verse is talking to everybody. When is it that everyone is going to see Jahannam? Of course, no doubt. Yamul Qiyamah. Okay. But is it impossible to see Jahannam with Ayn al-Yaqeen in this life with a Barzakhi vision, whatever you want to call it? Is it impossible? No. Then how does that happen? Well, how that happens, according to what the greats are always saying, and you've heard me again and again, is what? Is to continue with that ilm al-Yaqeen that I have, which is me knowing that there is a Qiyamah coming, me having 100% knowledge of that and conviction in that, me continuing that path of God with my amal to the point that if Allah seems deems it uh, deems uh, it suitable for me, He will open up my eyes to see Jahannam at, from here right now. Look, you've heard the famous story of that youth during the Prophet's time. The Prophet asked him, "How are you doing?" I don't know why when the Prophet asks people how they're doing, all of a sudden they become irfani, right? So this one also says, when you ask him, when the Prophet asks him, "How are you doing?" He says, "Asbahtu muqinan." I have, you know, I'm I have yaqeen. The Prophet says, "Really? There's a sign for that. Well, let me tell you, tell me what you're. Well, how do you know 
And how are you so sure that you have yaqeen? He says, I'm seeing Jahannam and Jannah as if. Okay? Or like Night of Ashura, for example, the companions of Imam Hussein, according to those historical reports, what happened? He showed them something special when, of course, they made the decision and they were worthy to see certain things. Yeah. And so the next day, some of them, they say they were like, they were joking around and stuff. And they're like, hey, we're about to go. We're about to like leave this trash dump, you know, and go somewhere else. <laughs> and so they're happy. And so others say, why are you happy? They're like, because we're leaving. Yeah. So they've seen something as if. Or for example, Imam Ali Nahjul Balagha. And that person asks him, like, tell, have you seen Afaraitarabak? Have you seen your Lord? He says, Woe unto you. You can't see them. See Allah with the eyes. But you can see them with Haqaiqil Iman, which is what? With which means Iman Haqiqi, true Iman, which is what? Which is the highest level of Yaqeen that I can have here. Which is what? Probably Ainul Yaqeen. I don't know. We didn't even talk about Haqqul Yaqeen. I don't even know what goes on there. I don't know. People apparently reach that too in this life. I don't know. I don't know what to say in this regard. But all in all, this is what I want to say, that with this point that was mentioned, we can reconcile. Ayatollah Jawadi says, for some, it is possible here. Alama Tabatabai says, for all, it is going to happen after we die. Okay? Ayatollah Jawadi, how can some see it here? Well, you continue that path of God with that list of priorities that you have to get right, of course, wajib and haram first. And then after that, certain mustahabbat and continuing that and not having any expectation, inshallah. Till the grave. Hatta, hatta al-yaqeen. Until yaqeen, meaning death, comes to you. Then, once you do that, maybe that other yaqeen will come before death, inshallah ta'ala. So that's yaqeen. And after this, he moves on into uh, sukoon and tranquility. So we'll talk about that. Uh, inshallah in our next session walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen any questions that's a very good question so did rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam have to reach a certain yaqeen before he could go for miraj and to see certain things i would say he's an exception to all the rules and so it's hard to say that when he's prophet at the age of, let's say, 40, that his yaqeen at the age of 40 is going to be different than his yaqeen at the age of 60, 63, when he passes away. It seems that according to our understanding of isma and infallibility and what it entails, when you become prophet or imam, you being imam at that age of seven, for example, if you're one of those later imams that became imam as a child, and you being imam at the age of 40 is not going to be any different. So your answer, the answer I can give you based on my limited understanding is that no, no, he didn't have to reach a certain uh, yaqeen to be able to, to go for mi'raj. Because what's for sure is if that was the case and yaqeen played, his, the, the level of yaqeen that he had played a role and it is possible for him to gain yaqeen, then um, it would, make, it would have made sense that his miraj happens in the end of his prophethood when he pass, a little bit before he passes away, not towards the beginning when he's in Mecca still. Yeah. That's some what, a little bit of what I can say in regards to that. It's a good it's a good observation though. Anything else? Hmm? All right. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.